Blog Talk Radio. Coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting, the International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, ask questions, and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys, with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now, Taz and Paula. Good morning. Taz, are you there? I am. I Oh, great. I am. I am. <laughs> well, we have a great guest today. It's Tom Moore. Tom Moore is an author, speaker, and and in the entertainment business where for the last 25 years he has been president and CEO of his own international motion picture and TV program distribution business based in Dallas, Texas. His earlier books are The Gentle Way, a self-help guide for those who believe in angels, and The Gentle Way 2, The Story Continues, and hopefully we'll get a peek into his world that has been developing his latest book. We can hardly wait to hear about it. It's uh, it's ready to be released, I think, in June. So you are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. Well, welcome back, huh? Tom, I am I here. Yeah, hi. I believe you've been doing this wonderful work with Theo, your guardian angel, for about maybe 14-plus years and maybe even more, whereby you've brought forth this unique gift from another lifetime of yours on how requesting benevolent outcomes can be used in anyone's business affairs and also in one's personal life. And your newsletters and books share and keep us all updated on how to request benevolent outcomes for ourselves, too. How exciting is that? Now, by doing this kind of work, Tom says it has resulted in him leading a gentler, less stressful, and less fearful life the gentle way. We are certainly ready to follow in your shoes here, Tom, because I'm reading people are really, really getting results, and I even used them this morning on my way to the radio station. Excellent. So did I. So did I. So we should have a very good interview. Yeah, <laughs> Tom will talk about his conversations with his own guardian angel, Theo, plus Gaia, Soul of the Earth, and others. And there are many messages for us about our world and how things really work. Plus, you'll learn many details about the other side you've never heard before. And we'll be talking about the new energy and upcoming Earth changes. And Tom, we are ready to hear all the latest updates. Welcome back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, far away, I guess. (laughs) And and nice to be back with you. I always enjoy being with the two of you. Well, you know what? Can we just begin to talk about your latest book? Because that is really, I know, it's really high on your priority. Um, and And you're kind of, I can just feel you. You're just kind of, your vibration has just, you know, extended itself. And... Tell us a little bit about this book and maybe how it began and how it, you know, to come to fruition here. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I thought we would talk about that later, but I'll fire away right off the bat. Um, the title that I've chosen for the book is called Conversations with an E.T. and then a sort of a subtitle uh, called They're Coming. Okay? And uh, so the... Uh, uh, it, it all dates back to about 2008, and my um, uh, my own guardian angel, Theo, uh, one day, uh, he and I were talking, and I was talking about some ruins, um, and he said, uh, he said, well, you know, someday you'll uh, uh, you'll get to see them, and so I 
I sort of didn't catch it then because keep in mind when I'm I'm in these active um, meditations, uh, as I'll call them, um, I, I'm you know I'm, I'm I'm sort of in an uh, an altered state, an alpha state. So um, when um, uh, when I'm I'm in that kind of uh, uh, of setup, if you want to call it, um, it's it's hard for me to uh, to come up with a lot of questions. Although I I will come up with some during the session, and and so I looked at and read it after I uh, I I came out, and that kind of made me wonder. Well, now you does that mean me or does that mean you as as a society? Okay. And so the next session I went in and I, I asked that question, and he said, no, uh, you will get to see those um, because um, you have a, um, a member of your soul cluster or group uh, that is going to come to see you from basically another planet. And uh, I said, "Oh, that's interesting." And he said, and, he, uh, "And he's tuning in right now." He said, "Do you want to ask him some questions?" And after I got over the shock of the fact that I was on a party line, so to speak, that you know this wasn't a, a private conversation with my own guardian angel, there was somebody else tuning in. Uh, I said, "No, let me think of some questions, and and uh, we'll do this in a few days." And so that's how it started. And I've literally asked hundreds of questions since then and and it all started out kind of innocently enough that you know I was just going to kind of meet this character and and I thought he'd look the same as me you know because I I'd, I'd always heard that that the the first uh, beings that we'll meet from from elsewhere are going to look just like us so they won't scare us to death but he's not he's he's what uh uh, someone termed Aquaman. He's an amphibian, and and the closest that we can come to an image of him is the Abe Sapien character in um, uh, in the Hellboy movies. Wow! I, I, as soon as you said that, I could picture him. Um, do most of us have um, ETs in our soul group, or? Well, I mean, the thing is, we're all ETs. Uh, I mean, that's, uh, you know, we all come from other planets. Uh, in my case, it turns out that I come from this very same water planet in the Sirius B star system. And I've had, uh, you have to understand, this society, this uh, these amphibian beings uh, have been there for 18 million years. And yet they're sort of the youngsters on the block. There are societies... Uh, in the Sirius B star system that are over a billion years old. So uh, so all these uh, uh, 200 planets of the Federation contributed D- DNA for the Earth human, and so therefore they supplied souls uh, for this Earth experiment. And, and so uh, I've been told that I was one of the very, very first souls to ever have a life on this water planet, and I was one of the very, very first souls to ever have a life on Earth. So I, I'm kind of like out there, <laughs> you know, the the guy, the sort of like the the Columbuses or the the Magellans or whatever that that you know get out there and do things kind of first. So is your uh, is your book completed at this point? And no, I, I yeah, I've well. It's going to be about 22 chapters or so, and um, and and we've done a rough compilation because keep in mind, um, let's say I'd have a question about the mothership that that Antura is going to come uh, come in, and I'd ask a, a question about the mothership, and then maybe two days or two weeks or or two months or two years later, I'd ask another question about the mothership and so I was compiling all of these into chapters on the mothership the mothership crew the mothership scout craft those are three of the chapters right there and um, and and so it's compiling all these uh, these questions and putting them into 
a, a chapter, and then it's arranging those questions in a readable order, and that's the hard part. And I've got about six uh, people that have volunteered to be uh, editors to help me uh, arrange those in order, and then I, I actually have a lady that's going to be the final editor, so to speak, um, and and she will uh, handle, you know, getting it into book form, and because it's going to be an ebook, I'm going to self-publish for the very first time, and it's it's going to be an ebook, and it's going to also be a printed book. Now, have you found yourself um, in your dream state or in your your um, present state ever upon um, a ship that they're talking about? Um, yeah, probably. But what's funny is that on the last, just in the last few days, I've had a dream where I was teaching a game to what sort of looked like dogs, but they weren't dogs. They were some other kind of critters. But they didn't know how to play the game. And so I was easily winning because they weren't, they weren't understanding the game yet. It was kind of like a catch me kind of game, just a fun game. But, that's one of the things that Earth humans are going to do is that we're going to introduce negativity to all these other societies that even at a billion years old, they don't have any negativity in their uh, in their society. They swept it under the rug, so to speak, because they couldn't figure out how to work with it. And as an example, they don't even play games where you win or lose because that involves negativity. And we're going to teach them games and things because they got stuck in the fifth focus. They're, they got stuck at like 5.3 to 5.4 as far as a vibrational level. And and here we are. We're coming up to 5.0. Uh, we're just about there. Uh, we're sort of in an energy tube that uh, was supposed to have been finished December 21st, and they had to slow it down a little bit because we couldn't handle the heavy energy. And they said, we're, we're handling all the energy that we possibly can handle right now. So within a few months, we'll be completely at 5.000. And, and so, you know, that's, that's going to make a big difference. We're going to, to show these societies how to increase their vibrational level that they've been stuck at for, you know, millions of years. We're, That's a different gonna, take on basically, things. <laughs> yeah, we're going to kick alien butt and get them on the right, <laughs> the right track. That's that's jokingly what I've, I've said before. <laughs> now I've always thought about it as being opposite that they were going to come in and um, show us how to work with pure love, but I guess they have to work with the negativity also. Well, yeah, I mean, our negativity we reached a peak, and now it's starting to slide, but it'll it'll take you know, 25 or 50 years for it to slide on down more and more. But um, but we reached the peak, and when we go out to the stars, we're only going to introduce 0.2% to a maximum of 2% negativity. That's all they'll be able to handle. So that's going to be our job as as Earthlings, that we're going to to go out and and, and do all these things. And one of the things is, we're veiled. The creator of this universe believes that by us being veiled, uh, we're going to reinvent the wheel. In other words, all these fantastic things that they've been able to invent, and I cover a lot of these uh, things that I'm just amazed at in my book, um, uh, uh, a lot of these things that, that they've invented, we're going to reinvent, but the creator of the universe thinks we'll do a better job because we... We won't remember, oh, well, in five lifetimes ago, I, I encountered the same problem and this is what I did, you know, because they can remember all their lives and we can't. So we we have to do everything as if it's the first time. That's really strange over the last week or so. I've been having dreams where I'm playing games, which I normally don't. <laughs> it's funny you're saying this, but I'm yeah. going to come out of the dream state going, oh, are you be kidding? This is, uh, I mean, why am I doing this? <laughs> you know? Mate, it was either because you were going to talk to me or, or else we're starting to do this to kind of prepare these societies, 
even <laughs> though even though we're not going to go to the stars, everybody thinks, oh, you know, by 2400 or 2500 we'll be at the stars. It's going to take a lot longer than than that. It, it's going to take to 3250 around that that date for us to truly get to the stars, and uh, and and to have ships that will do that. And supposedly my next life after my next life on the water planet, my next life on Earth is going to be as a starship, one of the Earth starship uh, pilots that will be going out, and that will be around 3,400, and there will be only 17 Earth starships at that time. So that's not a huge number, but fairly decent, I guess, by that time period. But, you know, from 32. 50 to 3,400 to have to have constructed 17 starships. In our lifetime, <laughs> right now, um, do you yeah. believe that we're going to be able to see the mothership when it comes in? Uh, no. Uh, now, this is well. The first contact is going to be in 2015, and this year in 2013, uh, the Russians, if you who if you've been reading, have been sending up trial balloons. Allah, like the premier of, of Russia, supposedly was. I, I mean, he was talking with with reporters after some conference, and supposedly he didn't know the mics were still on. And somebody asked him if they, you know, had files on aliens or something like that, and they said yes. And that I was told, you know, in my meditation, that that was a trial balloon, and they wanted to see how the Russian people would react. Would they be scared to death, or would be would they be interested? And it, and, and nobody nobody ran for the hills or anything. And so later this year, they're they're supposedly in late summer or in the fall, they're going to release their secret files and their contacts with aliens. Now after that happens. The next thing that's going to happen in uh, in 2015 will be that that the Palladians will make first public contact, and it's going to be with the Russians because they were the first ones to finally open up. And also, their people are not as fearful as like uh, we are in the United States, which is why we have all these guns and everything. Everybody's made us very fearful, um, and. Uh, uh, and, and so they're much less so there, and they will be more accepting uh, of of this uh, public uh, thing. And they'll they'll come in what's called a medium sized scout craft, about thirty or forty feet in length. I, I mean, in, in uh, not circumference, in diameter. Uh, it'll be round and just enough to make an impression, but not enough to to scare everybody to death. Okay. And uh, and and then Antura, uh, my soul cluster brother, um, it, it, his job is going to be grassroots, and he's going. He has three people that he's going to contact: me, another uh, person in our soul group that lives in Provence in France, and then another person that he's had several lives on Earth with in uh, in Asia. He's had 800 Earth lives, so. Uh, I asked him, how did he get the job? And he said, well, with 800 lives on Earth, I have the gift of gab. <laughs> so. they're, they're pretty open to um, ships in Mexico because we get a lot of films from Mexico. and it, yeah. it's, So they really accept it there also. Yeah. So, you know, he took me along. I didn't understand what all was happening. I didn't understand what my involvement was going to be. And it turns out that, uh, you know, uh, I finally find out recently because I keep asking question after question after question. And and finally, it it turns out that I'm supposed to take my family with me because my daughter graduated from Loyola Marymount with a degree in in film. And, uh, and, and, And so she and my son and and maybe my wife are, are all going to be filming this as a documentary. We're going to uh, uh, we're going to go on the mothership and interview all these different beings because the crew uh, is going to be somewhere between 700 and 1,000. It's a mile long mothership, and 
and and we're going to have the run of the ship for a week or something and and that's that's supposed to be my job is to introduce all these different really different looking beings to the world um you know because they they've got to show that there are are different beings besides besides ones that you know people that look just like us now to your family does, does everyone in your family know that this is going to be a part of their job i <laughs> mentioned it to them and of course they don't believe it yet so <laughs> you know and, and i said don't worry you know if 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 all this happens it happens and and you know i i sit back and and see if the the timing on all this is going to happen if it does it does it I, you know i'm like everyone else um when i get these messages and and i just pass them along and and say well this is what i'm told and if it if it happens it happens so go ahead Taz. Oh, I was going to say, this is really exciting. You you must stand back and, and look at all of this and, you know, just um, absorbing what's coming in. And, um, you know, we are really on a on a roll here on our planet, and it's so exciting to see it. Many people are awakening, and it's a wonderful time. Yeah, and, yeah. and things are happening, and people are seeing energies, and and people uh, right now, because the timelines are all squeezed together, these 12 timelines, as we are in this energy tube headed towards the 5.000, people um, uh, are losing things and then they reappear. It's really strange, you know. Um, uh, uh, one story that I told recently was that my wife uh, for Christmas had, had baked like, you know, five pies or so. And and she gave what she thought was a chocolate pie to our daughter, and our our daughter called her up and said, "No, this is a lemon pie." And she said, "It can't be." She went to the refrigerator, counted her pies, and said, "There's no way that could be a lemon pie," you know, because <laughs> 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 she she baked the chocolate pies first or whatever, and and so finally, and, and she just was absolutely certain so finally i asked theo i said you know what happened and he said he said well there was this little rift in the timeline between you and timeline number five and and dina my wife uh on that timeline she has an extra chocolate pie that she doesn't know how she got and and we got her lemon pie and 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 my dina says that 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 the the lemon pie from Timeline Five is better than the other other lemon pie that she made. <laughs> well, for our listeners who uh, may not know about your newsletter, we could talk about your newsletter because you have so many people calling, um, writing you with questions, and this really yep. um, is an amazing newsletter. And uh, people write in and ask you questions, and then you go to your angels. And you receive answers. Yes, just like the case of the missing pie is, is the way I, <laughs> I I worded it <laughs> on that particular newsletter. So yes, uh, all my newsletters are archived on my website all the way back to 2007. So you can see, uh, you can read everything, and and there are um, you know uh, down at the bottom of the newsletters. Uh, there's a uh, a section that says series, and so you can. There's one series that's called Guardian Angel 101 to get all sorts of basics of things that I've learned, and and there's one uh, one on Antura, and and there's one on Atlantis. I mean, I'm, I could almost do a, a mini book on Atlantis. I have so much on Atlantis, um, even the location uh, where it was in the Atlantic uh, by longitude and latitude and stuff like that, and um, uh, so just lots of different things um, to that you can you can read in the archive ones, and then you can sign up to receive it each week. Well, before it's, we go on... It's uh, com, by the way. <laughs> oh, good. TheGentleWayBook.com. Uh, TheGentleWayBook.com. Now, recently, we've had some several CME flares off of the sun. 
and people have been really feeling some aches and pains, Tom, that they've never felt before. Can you do you have any answer for that? Why it's happening, and and how much longer, you know, will this continue to happen? Well, of course, there's one that's uh, that arrived or is arriving today, a CME, fairly large one, um, and and these coronal mass ejections uh, from the sun are are going to help Gaia with her Earth movements. So um, there are going to be some uh, some fairly strong ones this year that will assist in that. And and so far, I know there was a huge one recently. Excuse me, but uh, but it it went it didn't it wasn't pointed directly at at the Earth because if it had been, we would have really had all sorts of electrical uh, satellite problems and everything because it was a really large one. So there there are supposedly some X class ones that are going to be coming, and uh, and they do they do assist the uh, uh, Gaia with with her Earth movements. And there's going to be some big ones this year. Big earthquakes in 2013. Absolutely. Oh. Um, yeah, biggies. It's going to be on the west coast of yes. the United States. Yes. Um, that was. Uh, I, I I just uh, published in my newsletter that just went out last night. I'm I'm doing my newsletters a little earlier in the week in order to save the weekend to work on my book. And so instead of sending out on Friday morning, I'm sending out like Wednesday night at midnight or something like that, and and um, uh, just to have more time to work on on my uh, uh, on my book. So in this particular newsletter, the timing is going to be that that first Japan and Puerto Rico are going to. Um, uh, are going are going to quake. They're going to have major quakes, and and Japan and Puerto Rico were actually supposed to have happened a year ago, but uh, but Gaia was asked by our souls for a delay, actually two delays, and uh, but she says the delays are over, and uh, you can look for it fair, you know, supposedly fairly soon. I don't know if it'll be that soon. But after that happens, then she says, um, uh, let's see if I can find it. Well, uh, uh, let's see, there's Anchorage. Okay. Um, okay, first of all, I'll give you the uh, uh, the magnitude of the quakes. Uh, it says, yes, Tom, San Francisco will, will have their first major movement in the 8.0 to 8.2 range. The San Diego through Tijuana, again, the same range, 8.0 to 8.2. The Los Angeles Basin will naturally have several earthquakes, Tom, with a, with such a large area. But in the southern half, let's say close to San Diego, 8.2, and in the northern half will range again from 8.2 to 8.3 to 8.4. Um, the upper west coast, comprising Oregon through Vancouver, will experience slightly lower in the 7.4 to 7.6 area. But do not be deceived, because these will take place. Along the shore, there will be major destruction, Tom. And uh, then it said, uh, and then I said, but again, we don't have to be concerned, it seems, with this happening until Japan and Puerto Rico quake, correct? Yes, but that window for those to occur is fast approaching, Tom. You'll see. I'm trying to give everyone sufficient warning to at least prepare for the possibility, which many on the West Coast have ignored. At the very least, they should have what's termed a bug-out bag filled with provisions, but they would rather spend their money on movies and other forms of entertainment, sort of the Chicken Little story, Tom. Um, so, anyway, and the, uh, uh, let's see if I can find it. Well, the, the, timing, be a lot yeah, the timing is supposed to be like within, after Japan and Puerto Rico within, uh, it sounds like a month or so. I, I'm not sure of the exact timing on that. San Francisco, but then the lower half of California will have less than a week, and then the upper West Coast will be maybe like a couple of weeks after that or so. So it'll it'll really shake all the way up to Anchorage and all the way down 
uh, to the junction of Baja, California. And uh, along with that comes tsunamis. So. Yes, that's going to be one of the major problems. So, um, anyway, uh, you know, such bright news. But as I say, uh, Japan and Puerto Rico were supposed to happen a year ago. They haven't. So, you know, until that happens, then maybe you don't need to worry. Uh, but it's always good living in the area that you're living in to to have uh, earthquake provisions. And I do have an earthquake um, uh, uh, packing list on my website under earthquake information. Um, and, and some people ask me why I started getting uh, uh, information about earthquakes literally in 2005 within a couple of months after I started uh, communicating. And and one of the major reasons is that uh, in my business, in the film uh, and TV program distribution business, um, I have 2,000 titles of my film library that are archived, not archived, pardon me, are vaulted in Hollywood at my lab. And so <laughs> if, you know, when... When an earthquake happens in L.A., basically I'm out of business. So that's that's why I've I've paid special attention to to what's going on. So you're saying that uh, Los Angeles area will happen first, or in that area, and then then San no, Francisco. No, San Francisco then, first. San Francisco first, yes. and then down south. Yep. I see. And then all the way back up north. Well, the the buildings, um, I mean, we've been working on our buildings for some time to make them earthquake-proof, but it doesn't help with a tsunami situation. No, and, and also uh, I've been told by Guy in the past that, that, you know, San Francisco itself is still going to have an enormous problem because all the bridges are going to go down, and there's going to be, you know, no way to get off. You know, back in the 1906 or whenever it was, there were lots of boats, uh, but there aren't too many boats these days. And so a lot of people are going to be trapped. That's going to be a major problem for San Francisco. And we have ferries, but they'll be go- gone also. I mean, they'll be... <laughs> well, well, we even even if the ferries last, I mean, they only can hold so many people. And, you know, how many people live in San Francisco? Very good. So, uh, within the, the California line, I mean, how far away from the coastline is safe? Um, I kind of asked that. I said, Gaia, are there, this is in the same newsletter coming out that came out last night, uh, are there any safe locations to live in California? Yes, a few, Tom. Obviously, they would be well away from the coastline and protected by mountains to the west. They will shake, but not so violently as the coast will. These are generally small settlements or towns without a lot of infrastructure, so they could also lose their electricity as an example for quite some time period. Therefore, they will have problems in the aftermath of large earth movements, but they will only experience smaller jolts as compared to the coast. It is still my desire for them, meaning people, to move well away from the coastline as these movements, once I start them, will continue for months until all the pressure built up for well over 100 years has been released. People who remain there are sitting on the proverbial time bomb, but without the knowledge of how many hours and days and weeks are still left on the timing device. And so I ask about Idaho, Montana, Utah, Wyoming, Nevada, and New Mexico, and all of those states are are good to go to. Oh, <laughs> 2013 is going to be rocking and rolling. Maybe. Uh, again, uh, until I see Japan and and Puerto Rico rock and roll, then, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to worry about it, but boy, once I see that, <laughs> I I may be going out to Los Angeles and loading up a rental truck. <laughs> yeah, a moving van. <laughs> yeah, actually I've um uh, I've had my library up for sale for a while um, because I'd like to have more time to write and and 
you know, business, uh, you know, I, we, we just got in a lot of business even this week. Uh, a company is wanting to buy like 282 titles from us. Another company buying uh, uh, 20 episodes of a TV series for a box set and and uh, another company, a couple of, of of movies and and you know I have to uh, I have to work on this stuff uh, too and it takes me away from my writing and so I've uh, I'd like to I'd like to sell my my library and uh, uh, you know just have more time to write. So. Um, wh- in your newsletters, when Japan got hit last time, were, uh, uh, did Gaia tell you about Japan being hit before it happened? Yeah, but uh, but it was off. Um, as an example, I was told in the summer of 2010, I think it was, that uh, that Japan was going to have a major earthquake either the last week of August or the first week of September. Well, as we well know, it didn't happen until March 11th of 2011. And and so and and here I'd gone out, you know, when I had gotten that information, I, I have like four thousand companies on my ACK uh, program, you know, that I uh, that I built up over the the past twenty five plus years uh, in the business, and uh, and so I send all my clients in Japan an email saying get ready for an earthquake, and then nothing happens, you know, <laughs> and and I really had egg on my face. Um, uh, telling them that it was going to happen, you know, at, at that time, at that time period. So I've gotten kind of kind of wary of of setting exact dates uh, when these things are going to happen because um, uh, Gaia seems to do it on her own timetable. Even even after she tells me one thing, it it seems to happen quite often on another. So now, do people's emotions? As groups uh, affect um, Gaia and and maybe um, create the earthquakes, or they can stop the earthquakes. Well, I, I think they also can uh, can delay them because uh, uh, because keep in mind these are all probabilities. It's explained to me, and you know, uh, in raising our vibrational levels higher than they expected. They basically told me that we, on timeline six here, we raised our vibrational levels to the very, very top of what they expected we could possibly raise our vibrational levels to, almost to a, a timeline number seven vibration. And um, so, so that that can affect and delay, cause things to be delayed. But there are certain, you know, certain things that guy has to do all like those bushfires in in australia um uh, you know they're having a ton of bushfires and she says you know i have to uh, this is part of my cycle where i have to replenish you know and 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 take the growth down and have it uh, start all over again that's just part of my cycle and she said the problem is you know because there's so many people living in places in force these days that either they need to build their houses to withstand fires or they don't need to live there. Well, when people are fighting the fires, um, they could delay the process or diminish the process. Then she'd have to come in and create another fire, it sounds like. I don't know. That's uh, uh, Of course, those are all sole contracts for the people to be involved, the firefighters, uh, the uh, the support people, the people that lose their homes, those are all sole contracts. Now, with all the people getting together, um, there were so many people on the 21st um, doing prayers and um, coming together. Did that help um, speed up? Um, uh, I don't know. I, I honestly had a party at my house on the 22nd. <laughs> <laughs> to celebrate uh, the 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 crossing over to the fifth focus, and then you know naturally then the next week I'm asking a question, you know, are we there? And no, you're not quite there yet. You're you're still in the energy tube. Um, so uh, 
uh, you know, that's, um, I, I think, a guy told me that one of the things that we needed to get past is that there was fear from a lot of people, even if it was just very subliminal, about the end of the Mayan calendar. And we had to get past that, and they saw that, you know, that uh, there was not, not going to be any three days of darkness, as some people were predicting, or, you know, that that uh, the earth was going to stop moving, or, I mean, all these uh, calamity-type things that people were coming up with. Uh, it basically didn't appear like anything happened. And so we got past that day, and so that fear factor went away. And that was one of the things that needed to happen. That's good. I mean, most of the people in our community didn't have the fear factor, but I think people that uh, didn't realize what was actually happening did carry the fear. Uh, yeah. And uh, there's just there's there's a lot of stories that people put out for their 15 minutes of fame or their stories to instill fear, and and it's it's really a shame because I'll get um, I'll get people that send in questions saying, well this person said this and and this what what is your opinion, and I, and I'll ask about it and they say no that's a, that's a bunch of hogwash you know they just made it up. Taz, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, um, I know uh, there was a lot of people that um, asked me, gee, I don't feel anything different after the 21st. I mean, there was a lot of expectations that this, on the 21st our vibrational level would rise and, and we would be uh, more of a loving uh, people on Earth and humanity would have come up to uh, be more loving. They a lot of people expected the opposite, and then when they were kind of let down after the twenty first, it was that yeah. close another day. It just, it just it, yeah, it just seemed like another day. But uh, I was told, you know, sensitive, sensitive people can see things. Um, as I say, these timelines are have been scrunched together to go into that energy tube. However, uh, that happens. <laughs> I have no the idea. That's that's beyond my pay, pay grade. <laughs> so, so uh, beyond my understanding, and uh, uh, and so, you know, there are uh, there are these interesting things that have happened. People have reported to me that that they did see strange streaks across, you know, uh, across a room and and things like that. And and of course, there's all this going on with people losing caps and you know things disappearing and and uh, and then reappearing or or not in the case of the missing pie and um uh so you know there's uh i i think we're still in a period that that uh we're sort of uh, i was told that we're much farther much closer to the 5.0 than we are to that 3.8, 3.85, or whatever it was that we were at. So, in other words, we're we're over halfway there in this energy tube. But as I say, it'll be several more months as the as the our energies can adjust to changing because we're the first society ever in the universe to be able to switch focuses with everybody living on the planet, and that has to be something really special if we're the first it must it must be not the easiest thing to do now was it an experiment with Atlantis that something similar was going to happen to them and then it failed yeah I'm not sure they 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 were fighting so badly that that um, uh, you know they they caused they caused the Earth Directive to be uh, to be written by the Federation. I mean, that's what that caused. Because up until you know, these uh, uh, ET societies were were assisting and and helping the Atlanteans. I think supposedly the, it was the Anturians or somebody that created a 
artificial uh, moon, uh, basically a five-mile-wide uh, satellite that looked like a second moon because it wasn't, you know, our moon is 280,000, whatever it is, 40,000, I don't remember, miles away from the Earth, but this uh, this satellite was, you know, like in, in a satellite or- orbit and five miles wide, it looked like a moon, and they and they destroyed that, you know, the uh, and, and really ticked off the uh, the ET society that had put it up there, um, uh, you know, for them. And so there were they they just made one blunder after another blunder after another blunder, and and finally they they sunk themselves into oblivion and into legend, you might say. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, for those who want to know, uh, Atlantis was situated. Uh, the top, uh, let's see, is it longitudinal degree, whatever it was, the one that goes east and west, uh, was uh, around 47 degrees in the Atlantic, which puts it around uh, Newfoundland. And the bottom was actually some of the Bahamian islands uh, are remnants of the coastline of Atlantis. And the coastline of Atlantis actually ran down, although it was an uneven coastline, uh, and, and so it varied uh, two to five degrees or so uh, along the North American coast, and its closest point to Africa, which was known at that time period as the land of Oz, um, was only it was only 10 miles distant. And I said, well, they must have done a lot of trade, and I was told, no, they were... They didn't get along at all together, and uh, and so they the Atlanteans uh, stayed away from Africa. It sounds like the Atlanteans were uh, a bit selfish. <laughs> yeah, you know they were they were so far advanced because they had sixty thousand years or at least fifty thousand years of of uh, civilization to. Um, you know, to do all these things, and and they couldn't get along. You know, the sons of Belial and the law of one, they were just at each other's throat, which is why, you know, uh, when I was inspired to create the, the gentle way back on Atlantis uh, 200 years before it finally sank from sight, there were a million people that were requesting benevolent outcomes um, at that time period, and... Uh, uh, they weren't involved with either of those societies because they couldn't live on the same islands together. They were they were you know at such war with each other. So uh, that's why we migrated from Atlantis to through Portugal and Spain to ancient Egypt, um, which was much more fertile at that time, um, two hundred years before it sank. Did they work with the crystals a lot? I mean, yeah, and you know, even uh, for those people that want to go nosing around, I, I'd love for somebody to find it. Uh, they there are some ancient crystal mines in Arkansas that the Atlanteans had, and the Atlanteans had the ability. They had instruments that could detect these enormous, humongous crystals underneath the ground. I'm talking about the 12 feet wide and the you know 25 or 50 feet high. I, I don't know the exact dimensions, but but they were really huge. That they powered all their their cities, their their vehicles, their aircraft, and everything with. They powered them with these giant crystal beams, and they got these a lot, so, uh, at least uh, uh, some of these crystals from Arkansas. Well, uh, when I've gone into past lives, I think I believe it was probably Atlantis because. There were, I was surrounded by crystals and I drowned. So I, and I always put that I was probably in Atlantis when that happened. Yeah. Or, but keep in mind they had the first destruction and the second destruction, and each one of those destructions, uh, millions of people died because at one point they had, I think, uh, on the continent, and I was told that the continent of Atlantis was is a little smaller or was a little smaller than Australia is today. Okay, and Lemuria was a little smaller than that, and the Lemurians and the Atlanteans never really 
the, uh, the Atlanteans looked on the Lemurians as being very quaint people. And so they didn't have very much to do with them either. And uh, uh, the uh, so the uh, Atlanteans, uh, you know, and with the first and second destructions, uh, millions of people in each time that a portion of the land sank uh, drowned. So that sounds like that's going to be your next book, Atlantis and Lemuria. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll we'll see. Uh, I I don't know if I have quite enough uh, quite enough information to fill a whole book. Maybe an ebook. You know that it might be only let's just say a hundred pages long compared. Uh, this book on Antura is sitting somewhere around seventy five thousand words right now. So it's it's a pretty pretty nice. Uh, Nice-sized book. Now, um, could you explain to our listeners about benevolent outcomes? Uh, when did you first start using that term, and maybe you could explain to them how to use it, because that's in your um, your newsletter and your books. Yeah, and and, and one of the things uh, about benevolent outcomes is that uh, they're so powerful. It's something so simple that people that have been trying to raise their vibrational levels or ascend is another word that means the same thing. Um, uh, you know, when they find out about it, they just can't believe it's so simple, but it, it is. Uh, Theo says that when you start requesting benevolent outcomes, the side effects or the major effects is that it does immediately start slowly but surely raising your vibrational level. It starts making you more aware it, it's the very first step that you can take in co-creating with spirit that until you you start implementing uh, you can you can go to all the talks you can read all the books uh, articles everything but until you start implementing it you remain on a plateau and the way to get to the next plateau is to start requesting benevolent outcomes and it's real simple all you do is you say, I request the most benevolent outcome for. It can be something simple like um, uh, a parking space, or it can be something very uh, important like the perfect mate or the perfect house or the perfect uh, job for you. Uh, and those things take longer. And, you know, I've had, I've had people say, oh, Tom, you know, I request the benevolent outcome for the perfect man for me, and, and it's been a month and nothing's happened. This doesn't work, you know. So, um, so you have to be patient with the larger requests. But basically, what you do in my belief system, this request goes to your guardian angel, who's this golden light being that's very, very powerful, and and your golden light being guardian angel, what we call a guardian angel, uh, looks and sees if this is in your best short term and best long term interest, and if it is. Uh, you get it. If not, then you don't because there's something better on the way. And you have to request a lot of benevolent outcomes to see that this works, and it works perfectly because even when you don't think it works, uh, uh, it may be six months or a year later, suddenly something will happen and it will dawn you on you. But that's why that benevolent outcome didn't work because this happened. You know, that's so much better. So. Maybe your perfect maybe your perfect mate was living in Europe and didn't move to the United States until <laughs> yeah. a certain time. Yeah, I always ask for one every time I get in the car. You yes. Know. Oh, I've I've I, I just uh, avoided another wreck. Oh, about I don't know four months or so ago. I can't remember. I put it in the newsletter. Um, uh, I was driving driving back. Uh, up the North Dallas Tollway and exited on a, a major thoroughfare called Legacy, six lanes wide. And uh, uh, I, I turned right on Legacy and started heading to the east. And, and there's these shops of Legacy. It's a very kind of high, uh, uh, nice area, uh, lots of nice shops and theater, uh, art theater, that kind of stuff, uh, restaurants. And uh, uh, there was a, a black pickup truck ahead of me and uh, that had turned. And so uh, that truck went on the outside lane. And so I went into the middle lane because I didn't want to be on his tail. 
And as we approached this, the first signal light, um, there was a, a lady did not see him because her view was blocked by another car turning uh, to the north, and she was turning to the south. And she turned right in front of him, and he T-boned her at like 40 miles an hour, lifted her SUV up in the air, turned it around 180 degrees, and there it sat right in front of me, and I slammed on the brakes and came to a stop six feet from her car. So wow. that that was a real close one. But, again, I always request benevolent outcomes uh, when I drive, even if it's just to the grocery store. Well, uh, both Taz and I can uh, testify that they work. <laughs> yeah. So people write into your uh, your newsletter, and they give you examples of what has happened to them when they're using the benevolent outcome. So I always look forward to your newsletters because there's so much information and um, so many fun stories. Right. And and they can actually I, – I do put out a weekly blog. I, I The newsletters uh, were taking on a life of their own. You know, it wasn't just MBO stories. And so finally I've come up with sort of the best way that I could figure out to do it was that I, I have a weekly blog, and the weekly blogs have nothing but MBO and what are called benevolent prayers or BPs um, uh, stories in the blogs. And then each week in the newsletter, I will I will print two uh, of the best MBO stories from the previous week's blog in the newsletter. But on my website at www.thegentlewaybook.com, you can click on blog, and there's over 150 blogs I have there with nothing but these inspiring stories of people that have requested MBOs in their life and money miracles and and uh, uh, miracles in hospitals and uh, you know just it goes on and on and on um, uh, of things that that have happened to people uh, when they're requesting benevolent outcomes. It truly uh, works. It works better than the law of attraction. Anything that people have ever seen um, in the secret movie, it's it's uh, it, and it's going worldwide. Uh, I just had a MBO uh, story sent to me by a lady in China uh, taking a uh, that was taking a domestic uh, airline flight with her sister. So uh, it's it's slowly growing. Uh, naturally. Being the semi-impatient guy I am, <laughs> I, would, I would have liked for it to have grown faster. Well, I, they say you can't receive unless you ask. So that's what we're actually doing. We're asking our angels for help and, and actually acknowledge them, acknowledging that they're there. So I think that's very important. Yeah. yeah and and even if you don't believe it, uh, you'll find out that they are there because because these things, when you start asking for them, will happen in such magical ways, you'll know that it it couldn't have happened any other way without some outside assistance. Well, we're, we are so lucky each time we have you on. You know, you bring such hope and, uh, and new ways for people to think about um, throughout their daily life and how to make it better. Um, there's what a great gift. Um, what a great career you have bringing people this up, upliftment. And um, we're always so excited, and we're so excited your new book is around the corner. We look forward to, to yep. having you on again just before it, it sprouts. And when again is this going to be coming out? Well, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I've sort of said June, uh, but I'd love to get it out in April if I could. I just don't know because it all depends on, uh, you know, how much time I can spend on it. I've already sent several chapters to my major editor, uh, but I still have a number of chapters to go, and I'll try and do another couple, you know, couple or three this weekend. We'll have to see. <coughs> my my editors have sent me back more chapters than than I can handle. <laughs> so. Okay, so your website, your website is the Gentle Way Book. 
dot com. Yes. Uh, it is really special to go there. Please hop on his website. You'll love it too. And uh, hook up so that you can get his um, his newsletters. And um, Tom, is there anything else you want? You got thirty seconds. 